and welcome to the Peace Pod, where we talk about peace building. I'm Anna Lubelska, and I'm the founder of the UK educational charity called The Peace Building. We cover all aspects of peace at all levels within ourselves, in our homes, schools and communities, as well as in the wider world. It can seem that the world is full of conflict and nothing else, but there are many people everywhere working for peace. We bring you their stories to help you take action to make the world a more peaceful place. In this episode, you will hear me talking with Debbie Flack, who's a Quaker, and she talks about the protests she does um, most years outside the Excel Exhibition Centre in East London at the biggest arms fair in Europe. And she also tells us about when she was doing three months as a human rights monitor in Palestine. If you're interested in Quakers, this is a good episode to listen to. Hi Debbie, lovely to see you. How's your week been? been um, a busy week this week. I've been to London several times. There's a large arms fair taking place and I have been protesting or having a presence outside the arms fair in um, Docklands. So it's been tiring. I used to commute up to London, but just going up for three or four days has tired me out. And I mean, it is a big thing to do. I, I went a few years ago now, I think maybe two or three years ago, to um it's the excel isn't it the big yeah. exhibition center and it's a massive sort of international arms fair isn't it yes it's one of the largest arms fairs in europe and you go and you go go on do you want to say a bit about what happens you know what do you do who who did you go with well i went with um quakers because i'm a quaker but there were other faith groups there there was um Pax Christi from the Catholic Church and an Anglican peace group and some Buddhists as well and really um, we stand as a witness to people affected by war and people who have no voice at the moment and I guess in a way to try and bring the arms fair out into the light. The UK government is there, other governments, lots of regimes are there it's a way of saying there is another way of being other than trying to resolve conflicts by the use of weapons. Various activities going on, a peace vigil, a walk to the headquarters of some of these companies which are in central London, and just the reading out of testimonies of people affected by, say, the war in Yemen and Syria and Sudan. So it felt good to gather with other people, but it's quite a difficult place to be when you can see people actually going in to look at weapons and buy weapons. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? As it is such a big sort of commercial event, isn't it, at the end of the day? Manufacturers hoping to sell. And I mean, I suppose the UK government is keen for the sales because of the export and making money yes it, it seems wrong in a way to make profit 
and the way to make it is through, in effect, the killing or maiming of people and the complete disruption to normal life. And even, I I guess, if there's an export licence to a certain country, you don't know eventually where those arms will end up. So we're trying to, uh, I I feel, rarely used just as a defensive purpose. They're used a lot by regimes to oppress populations and to maintain power. And I just feel that money could be better spent on nurses, on schools, food and preparing us for climate change and the effects of that rather than actually on weapons of destruction. It doesn't really make sense to me. I find it very difficult. And it's a huge business, huge business. Huge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think billion, trillion, whatever, isn't it? Yes, I think. And it escalates, doesn't it? Because they invent new things and new things and new things. Yeah, the technology yes. um, uh, and the, the manpower that's put into it. And I think it's something like 100 billions worth of arms are sold each year. And it's something like 80, 87% of the victims of war are civilians. And nowadays, you know, we see infrastructure destroyed, hospitals destroyed. Um, yeah. I think it's important. When did you when did you first kind of become aware of you know the arms trade and I think well I I think probably through my involvement in campaigning for peace in Israel and Palestine and also since becoming a Quaker I can see the closer link between the two, you know, power can't be maintained now, I think, without or many regimes and governments try to maintain power through the use of weapons and force. And so really becoming a Quaker has helped me to see how weapons are used. And and I feel very strongly about, about what the armed trade does to normal human relations. And you didn't you didn't come, Debbie, from a Quaker family at all, did you? As far as I know. No, my parents were Baptists. So ah. I was brought up in the Baptist church and I went to Sunday school. I have to confess, I really didn't understand and get faith. And I remember watching, I think, is it one of the daughters of the founder of the Salvation Army? And she talked about the love she felt for God and for Jesus. I thought, oh, gosh, that must be fantastic. But I didn't get it. And I I came to Quakers quite late, I think, in my 40s. I saw some Quakers standing on a high street in Wimbledon protesting. I think it was about action being taken in Afghanistan. And I thought, who are these people? Because everybody else was rushing around doing their shopping on a Saturday morning. And there were just four or five people standing with banners. And when I went to Quakers, it's given me sort of a structure to look at these things, to look at things that made me angry, where I'd shout at the TV. And through worshipping with Quakers, I've been able to understand where that comes from and maybe to use it in a better way 
those feelings that arise. How interesting that it just caught your eye, didn't it? By the sound of it, something connected for you. And it sounds like it was, you were you were attracted to the action part of it, you know, to sort of doing stuff in the world as opposed to maybe praying. Although Quakers, of course, they sit in silence, don't they, at their meeting? Yes. Um, and I think when I went to a meeting, I found it so powerful to sit and try and achieve stillness and to see what comes up through that stillness. And that has, I guess, awakened a seed that was in me that I hadn't recognised before to, to look at things that are bigger than me and also just connect with something deeper, I think, than the way I was living before or to try and there are lots of people around me as well in Quaker meetings who I found quite inspirational and then you know I think Quakers talk about letting your life speak there's no point in having faith if it doesn't result in some change and then you doing something and it's a challenging place to be but it's also a place that I felt I could be 100% myself because when you're sitting in that silence and stillness there are no labels you're not conforming to anything and it's it's a it's a really nice space to be in the quakers are known for their peace work aren't they they do anti-war peace work consciousness raising um and that's very important because because what you do, I always think, Debbie, what you do is quite extreme in some ways. You know, some people might think it was quite extreme anyway to be going and protesting at an arms fair. And also what you do in Palestine where you've been, I know you've been there more than once, to be like a human rights monitor, to um, be a peacekeeper. W would you like to say a bit about that? Because that's such an interesting thing that you do. So, yes, I've done campaigning around Palestine. And then more recently, I went to act as a human rights monitor, which was standing alongside people witnessing their way of life and harassment because in a way I have um, an international passport. Generally, the security forces behave better when there is an international presence there rather than if, say, for instance, it's just an isolated farmer in a field. The programme I went with is pro-human rights. The whole purpose is to go and monitor what's happening with regards to any violations of human rights. And we will report, regardless of which party, whether it's a Palestinian or an Israeli who's breaching human rights. I went for three months. Um, I was based in the West Bank because that's where the invite has come from, from the churches, World Council of Churches. And in particular, it was churches in, church leaders in Jerusalem. They wanted a, a um, peacekeeping force, but uh, the international community didn't agree to that. So the churches just asked for ordinary people to come to witness and report on what they saw. So 
that's what I did for three months. To go for three whole months to Palestine is a big commitment. And I'm amazed that anybody has the energy or the courage to do that. So how was that experience for you? Um, it was an amazing experience. I mean, it, it, it is challenging that there is also, you know, joy. I mean, people are living their normal lives. And I was there during Ramadan, uh, which is a great time to feel that sense of community, uh, worship, and to eat lots of nice food along the way as well. I mean, there are individuals from 21 countries come and take part in the programme. There's a rolling cycle every three months. And so I shared a house with five people, somebody from Scotland, Finland, Sweden and Germany. So um, it's a great opportunity and also very humbling. I mean, I was exhausted when I came back and while you were there, the time just flies by because you're trying to keep yourself safe. You're hearing different stories of people's lives and you're walking with them. I was in a rural location, so I walked with shepherds from like 8.30 to 4 o'clock um, during the day. And it's humbling to see how the difficulties that people face but still get up, still work with cheer and love in their hearts to provide for their families and try to live as normal life as possibly they can. So a, a mixture, lot, lots of emotions. And I must admit, I think I found it harder coming back than I expected it to be, actually, to adjust back to life here. Um, Say a bit more about that. I think when you're there, um, the whole intensity of life means that you're fully occupied. And then when you come back, sometimes seeing what people are worrying about, think, you know, you have to get back into the trivial nature of life. Oh, my, my library book is late or, you know, this pasta is not in the supermarket. And you have to adjust back to that life. I also think that sometimes I was frightened by being in certain situations but didn't fully acknowledge that I was scared. And so sometimes there's a little bit of processing of that for me when I came back. Yeah, I can imagine that you're basically in the moment much more there, aren't you? Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, and also there's concern for the people that you've left behind. You can still, and you still are able to follow, you know, what happens in some of the locations in, for instance, Masafiata, which is an area that's been declared a military zone by Israel and where, you know, there are like 1,350 people facing having their homes demolished but it's good that you know that another group are there and monitoring and raising the profile of what's happening in a way that's comforting isn't it mm. yeah. yeah I mean there there are a lot of people working to monitor to witness but also to try and bring about better situation so I think with peace building, and I know, you know, our charity, the peace building charity, we're trying to say to people that it may seem that the world is 
full of war and conflict. And in fact, in some ways, there is a lot more conflict these days, especially civil war, as well as conflict between countries. But there are there are so many people, people like you. I mean, yeah, you've taken it upon yourself to do to do these acts of um, peacekeeping or peace building, however you want to describe it. And I find that really inspiring and also heartening. It empowers individuals to feel that despite the context, to do your bit is actually very rewarding and, and actually can you know make a difference. Yes, and I, and I think um, I, I would say that everybody can do something, you know, even just keeping yourself informed of, say, a particular conflict to be informed, to write to your MP. But also um, Quakers would say that peace begins with me to try and live peacefully with those around you to create situations, you know. I feel when people know their neighbours, it's less likely that there will be violence between them. You know, conflict is a normal part of life. We can't run away. There are always going to be differences, but there are just better ways of resolving them than resorting to arms. I sometimes feel that, you know, we've invested lots of effort in, say, our mobile phones, if you look at what we have at our fingertips, but yet we're still resorting to war to resolve, you know, power struggles. And I I, I really wish that organisations such as the UN were used more and people took responsibility for their being peace actually where they are, wherever they are, because as we've seen in Ukraine and Russia, you know, war can come very quickly and very close to you. So doing those things that mean that you can live peacefully with your neighbour and trying to resolve conflict are really important things and I think to have that you have to have what I believe sort of love in your heart must be a, a driving thing something that you're always orientating yourself back to no matter how difficult the situation yeah I mean the the Russian Ukraine thing is is a, a big power imbalance isn't it yes. that thing and it's in a way, with something like that, you you're you're wondering what how how it comes that it's so seemingly easy for people to become dictators, even when they've got a so-called democracy in their country. And there is more. I mean, there is more written about that, and that, you know, there are interesting people writing articles, and you know, there's lots of. Um, Lots that one can look up about how come power is so seductive and the pursuit mm. of, you know, empire building. You know, I mean, in a way, people build empires all the time, don't they, through through businesses, but um, and people want to make money. And one of the nice things I always feel about Quakers is that they promote the idea of living more simply. Yes, I think there are like two aspects. One of living simply and not having more than you really need to. Do you really need to own so many things? And do you know how those things are made? Is somebody exploited at the end of it? It's, it's a difficult 
very demanding um, goal, if you like, in the society we live in. But also I think there's that way of making your life simple so that you are focused all the time in one direction when you realise, oh, actually, I bought this in the sale and I didn't really need to. Oh, well, I've done it, but I can orientate myself back to really look at why I did it what and to try and avoid it again. So I, I guess, you know, in religious terms, it would be focusing on God and keeping God in your focus. And, and, and so I, I always think that they're two strands. And, you know, Quakers aren't perfect or, or anything. But when you're in a community that is talking about those issues, then it becomes easier to be aware of them and of your behaviour and how they Debbie, it's been great talking to you. I must let you get on with... Um... I'm sure you're doing, what is it today? It's Saturday, isn't it? <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday. I get so mixed up. It's being retired, you get mixed up. And when you're yeah. looking after your grandchildren half the time, you just don't know what that is. So, um, yeah, so I'm wishing you a good weekend. And, and thank you for taking the time to really, um, yeah, to, to talk so thoughtfully about what you do. That's what I love about your quality of thoughtfulness it's it's a very underrated quality these days I think <laughs> we're all rushing around aren't we doing 101 things so thank you very much indeed oh thank you very much thank you Anna it's, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you anytime thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the peace pod we hope it motivates you to build peace in your life. To find out more about peace building, please check out our online peace museum, www.thepeacebuilding.org.uk. Thank you.